You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Brothers, sisters, siblings, and our friends at Elton Magic. Welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly. We're broadcasting from Show Creator Studios South here in Las Vegas for the first time in like a month. A long time. It's Penn's birthday, everybody. Happy birthday to Penn. You know, we're going to get all kinds of stories if anyone out and got hammered. Lots of shots, lots of shots of friends. Here he is, preached in love. Pendulette. I did a shot for every year. <laughs> did 68 shots. That's wow. not possible, is it? 68. Is it possible? No. That feels impossible. Oh, that, that is drinking is impossible. It's possible you turn 68. It is impossible that you would have done 68 shots, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, you'd be in the hospital. Now, uh, Martin Mull kicks his age in yards with a football. Been doing that for years. Wow. Because he was the kicker. Yeah, yeah. And he kicks his, and some Martin people. Ball, a man of many talents, that guy. Yeah. Paul Volter. That's, would not have, would not have guessed it. Football kicker. Yeah. Sessions guitar cat. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. And then most important, painter. Painter. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Martin Mull. Uh, on my birthday, every year, I can't think of anything I do. <laughs> I have no particular Entertainer. Tradition. Entertainer. Author. Uh, talking about Martin Malls. No, no, no. Oh, back to you. Back to me. You but I don't. I don't have anything I do on my birthday. You know, some people. Do you have anything you do on your birthday? Like no. I hop on one foot on ice or something. No, I don't have the time. <laughs> Whatever it was, my kids would make sure I didn't have time to do it. I see. That's that's. I'll come up with one later. Yeah, that you'll do every. I think you want it to be now. Golf gets easier. Football gets harder. If you're kicking a football that number of yards, yeah, that seems you get like older every year. You have to like maybe get up on something so you can kick it. But isn't golf like a like good score? You're not gonna. It's not gonna get easy for you until you're eighty. Then it's gonna be hard. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's not a good choice either. No. Maybe every birthday I'll eat something. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> most people too. My kid, uh, his birthday is two days after mine. So as soon as that was happening, I was like, good. We don't have to worry about mine anymore. <laughs> yeah. we'll just we'll just lead up to my son's birthday. Who cares? The who cares point of view is very, well, I, very good. We're entertainment, right? Like we get a, we get attention all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. It's like it's not like I don't even want credit for even being like I don't care about my birthday. It's like I honestly get so much more attention than the average human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just uh, everything embarrasses me. Yeah, uh, which is weird. Because someone who goes on stage has been yeah. naked on stage, right? Has danced around like a fool. Yeah. How can you be embarrassed by your birthday? And yet, I am. And like, uh, what? What you mean? Just specifically, everybody remind that doesn't wish you happy birthday. Just a happy or? birthday doesn't bother me. Yeah, you know. But um, I'm just saying, if our listeners are out there and mm-hmm. their job sucks, yeah, and they don't interact with that many people, mm-hmm. take all the attention you need on your birthday See, guiltlessly. Yeah. Take it in. Celebrate. 
Make it about you. Celebrate. Yeah. I just want to sing that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm 68 years old. You know what that means? Uh, the other day I was driving to pick up my children at mm -hmm. the bus stop. That's a thing you do now. You drive to pick up children at the bus stop because they can't, their feet must not touch the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I decided, I feel like hearing uh, some David Bowie. Not an unusual thing, a little bit unusual for me. Mm -hmm. That's pretty mainstream for me, but I felt like listening to David Bowie. And Young Americans came on. Mm -hmm. And I said, if there's one thing I ain't, it's a young American. <laughs> when Young Americans came out, I was a young American. Yeah. I actually was. And now I'm not. And now David Bowie's dead. So I said, this is stupid. <laughs> and then Heroes came on. And I said, I'm not a hero. So I just said, I'm kind of done with David Bowie. <laughs> And you know, you realize that so much of the pop music you love was being created for children. Yes. And then you're no longer a child. Yeah. And yeah. you just kind of go, really? I'm going to listen to Herman's Hermits? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be inspired to get the hell out of my town. <laughs> if I just, if I just picked up some, some girl I was interested in and drove my car, that would just piss off a lot of people. No, I would not. <laughs> There's no dream. And it would and get the, very sad it, very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things would fall apart real fast. Very sad. Very yeah, sad. Yeah. Including the crossing the state lines and going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's a bad idea. I wonder how, you know, Springsteen's what, uh, 73? I think so, somewhere in that, yeah. I wonder when he does his three-hour concerts, he's in the middle and he's singing something like Thunder Road. Yeah. What's going through his head? Well, this never happened. Never going to now. <laughs> right? Yeah. So he's thinking, yeah, yeah. born to run. Well, I guess I wasn't. I was born to like be showbiz. Born to come right back home. Born to tap dance. That's, that's <laughs> me. I mean, only Dylan got it right. From the very beginning, Dylan said, I'm a song and dance man. Yeah. You know, and Dylan does not have many songs of, come on, come with me. We'll be young people. Yeah. You know, he's not trying to inspire a lot of action. No, he doesn't inspire action. He inspires mm -hmm. sitting and contemplating. In fact, I mean, how young was he when he wrote the times there are changing? Yeah. That was just, that's a real, that's a real forecasting that you, yeah. you can just sing that at any age Yeah, and you're good. Yep. Yep. No problem. And there. blowing in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Any age. Yeah. Any age. Does not sound silly. And even Tambourine Man has these wonderful things. My weariness amazes me. <laughs> <laughs> How many times we felt that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That there's that moment, you know, that's, that's an adult thought. Yeah. When you're a child, your weariness doesn't amaze you. You just go to sleep. Right. Fall asleep. Yeah. But when you're an adult, you can actually be in bed thinking, my weariness amazes, amazes me. me. Or <laughs> you get weary in the middle of the day and be like, I can't believe I could go to bed right now. And, yeah. and not sleep. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm finally getting off all the uh, sleep medications. Over the last night, I had melatonin and stuff. Well, melatonin, I believe, is pretty low level. Yeah, but before that, I was a pretty high level. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, well, this is, we haven't recorded in a while. And it was, uh, we even missed a week, which we'd never do, but it was because of the timing of which you, you got ailments. I was in such, uh, magnificent pain. You were in crazy amounts of pain. Crazy amounts of pain. Amounts of pain that doctors came in on their day off and yeah. doctors would just say, take more oxy. Yeah. You don't get doctors to say that. Although maybe they knew I was from Western Massachusetts. <laughs> can I, can I speak to our listeners on behalf of the podcast? Yes. 
because uh, people were wondering why we weren't communicating with them about mm-hmm. everything that was going on. Okay. Uh, the Penn and Teller organization is tied to the Rio show, many touring shows, and all kinds of different business agreements that the podcast knows nothing about. <laughs> so unless we're directly told by Glenn to put out specific words, the the only thing we can do is get in trouble for being a source of information about Penn's health. <laughs> so we can't be the ones that tell you yeah. what's going on with Penn. Well, we didn't want... Uh, there are people that bought tickets to a show. Yes. And that was a show that I did so hopped up on dope <laughs> and in such incredible pain. Yeah. And some people know that I do the podcast no matter what. Yeah. So some people had tickets to the show that night might have been troubled. Now, Teller informs me that I did an excellent show. I was not there. <laughs> but Teller informs me that the show was excellent. Yeah. Teller's also kind. Yeah. So I, I'm i not sure it was my best show, no. but it was okay. Yeah. People were on their feet, screaming and applauding at the end. That's good. That's so, the idea. Yeah, that's, that's the idea. That's the idea. But I had a, 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 I had a bad time. And February what, was not good. Did anything fix anything or just, just uh, They, I think I told you that they went in and scraped in my ear and it was incredible pain. Ooh. When you have a doctor, I had a doctor say to me, this is the most pain I've ever seen someone in. Wow. A doctor, a professional doctor. You got to feel good about that. Now, of course, he wasn't a professional doctor who worked in the trenches in World War I. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't, uh, wasn't having you bite on a stick while I tied a tourniquet. Or right, right, right. But he was the one that said, whoa, go to LA. Wow. I can't handle this. And he said, this is too much pain for my office. That was essentially what he said. Holy shit. And then the doctor at the house clinic said, uh, oh, um, what I'm going to do to you is it, it, it's, it, it's going to hurt a lot, like a lot. And he just kicked you right in the ball. <laughs> and now we're going to uh, work on your ear. <laughs> you get your mind off it. <laughs> he said, uh, this is going to hurt a lot. And oh. he said, I want you to know that, uh, I can't use any anesthetic. Because uh, you have a hole in your ear, and that would make it too dangerous. So um, I'm just gonna have to do this. And he said, "I want you to know." Oh, so you did. This was World War One. Yeah. So he said, "I want you to know that I am being gentle. It, <laughs> it won't seem that to you." And he said, uh, "Like a serial killer says, we're gonna do as much as we can." Because I went to the I went to the house clinic, and they cleaned out my ear from the mushrooms. Yeah. Right? I had mushrooms growing in my ear, actual mushrooms, actual mushrooms. That was the ailment? Not fungus, mushrooms, right. It's a tropical problem, but it's mushrooms. I mean, mushrooms. Oh. I mean, they look like mushrooms and they're growing into your ear, like you're looking into a mushroom cage. And they grew enough that it was bleeding on its own. Oh, yeah. That, and that was the first symptom that hurt, you- hurt, hurt enough that it was all the way down my jaw, my whole side of my head and constant. And then if you touched anywhere near the ear- I would scream in pain, and they went in with a suction thing. Ah! And the first doctor did it twice, and uh, I've been told I'm pretty good with pain management. I mean, maybe they tell that to everybody. I imagine they do, uh, to try to get you to toughen. They don't tell me that. Oh, they don't. Well, they yeah. tell me that all the time. They go, whoa, you can take a lot. I like, I, I like, a, like, a, like a puppy. I go, mm-hmm. I do that a lot. <laughs> the first one which was three days before the second one. He said, uh, I'm going to go in. And I, and I had no control over this. 
you know this does not sound like me. Yeah. No control over this. He stuck it in my ear, pulled out like three gray M&Ms of pain out of my ear, and I screamed, fuck, and I stood up and banged the walls. What? Uh, with my whole forearms going, fuck, fuck, fuck. And they were uh, closing doors and trying to maneuver because a lot of the house clinic heard that. Yes. And he said, yeah, I knew that was going to hurt a lot. And I said, are you done? And he said, uh, not close to done. Oh, Jesus. So I sat back down and he did it again and it hurt more, but I didn't stand up because I was ready for it. And I said, are you done now? And he said, there's more. And he said, uh, so here we go. And then he said, I, I can't do anymore. I said, why not? He said, you're, you're trembling too much. I, I can't, I can't handle it. You're, you're. I said, D -d -d try. He said, no, I, I can't try. But the drops will probably take care of it. You'll probably be better in 48 hours. So he said, in the meantime, are you taking Oxy? I said, yes. He says, here's a prescription. Take more. Oh. When does a doctor do that? <laughs> Especially now. Yeah. Especially now. That is a. Uh... So then I went on stage. This is all the reason the show was canceled. I went on stage and I decided that I've been doing Oxy for two days. Yeah. And I should stop it before the show. So I went out and did the first bit in the show, which is a bit you do, yes. misdirection. Yeah. Went out and did misdirection and then turned to Teller and said, do needles, I can't be on stage. Wow. That's never happened. And how long of a period of time was that between you cut yourself off and that? What do you mean? Like you you, you, you would stop taking it. So yeah, you would... it was like three or four hours. So just four hours off of it. I was dope sick. And I mean, uh, I was nauseated. My stomach was screwed up. I had oh, to geez. run to the bathroom, lay on the floor, do a Lenny Bruce impersonation. It was uh, it was bad. And Robbie was standing there while I'm disgusting in the bathroom going, he's putting the second set of needles in his mouth for about four and a half minutes. I said, okay, okay. And I got dressed, came back on stage. I had some problems with my ear, and uh, I just had some problems off stage, but I'll be better for the rest of the show. Now, here's what's interesting. I've now screwed up the entire order of the show. You're right. And Penn and Teller orders are very important. Sure. So nobody knows what order we can do stuff in. So everybody's backstage. So Nina was in the lineup, but just later in the show. It was penultimate. Yeah. And now it was second. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we couldn't continue the show from there. So, so Nate's backstage on a headset. With pencil and paper, go, we could do this, we do this, we do this. And then I would finish a bit, and Robbie would come out and go, do donut. I go, uh, 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 we wrote a lot of new stuff. <laughs> they were just saying bitch to me because I had to be on stage the whole rest of the time. I had forfeited my time off stage. You used it all up, Penn. You get no more rests. Oh, my God. So they were God. coming out just saying things to me. It was, it was really, really funny because I would just go, oh, and then go into a whole different character speaking. Uh, so it was a little bit disjointed, but the audience liked it. And then uh, that was a like a Saturday night. It was Saturday night, and I said, well, what, uh, what are we doing about Sunday? And Glenn said, don't worry about it. Yeah. And that Sunday was horrible, and they gave me more drugs. And then Monday they went in, and the doctor said, 
Uh, I gotta be on my day off to do this because you're real bad. Uh, last doctor that went in said it was tough. It's gonna be tougher today. And I said, uh, look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. And the doctor came around. And I said, let's get that motherfucker. <laughs> and he said, okay. I said, go in there, get everything out. So he went in. It was incredibly painful. He finished. He took a breath. And I said, go again. He finished again. I said, go again. He said, okay. I said, I didn't like the way that fucking okay sounded. Go in again. <laughs> he went in seven times. I said, is everything gone? He said, there is some uh, fungal matter right around the bruise. I think the pain will be too. I said, go the fuck in and get it the fuck out. Wow. And this is a very, very proper doctor who I think is probably one of the best doctors ever. Right. And I was just swearing at him. Let's get that motherfucker. He said, if I go in right on that bruise, I said, go. He said, okay, okay. it's it's pretty clean in there. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Pretty clean in there? <laughs> he said, well, right on the eardrum. But he said, I don't think I can do that. I said, I think you can. <laughs> he said, well, it's going to hurt an awful lot, an awful lot, probably the worst, and uh, you can't move. And I said, and it's going to be loud too, right? I said, loudest thing you've ever heard. I said, no, no, no. I had a cholesteatoma done without anesthetic. He went, okay, as loud as the things you've heard. <laughs> I said, um, okay, go in. And there he was with a sucker pulling mushrooms off my eardrum. God damn it. This is creepy. Yeah. yeah. And, Some people are eating lunch while they listen to this. Yeah. Which is and then, then I, he said, okay. I said, is everything out of there? He said, uh, yeah. I said, is there anything else you can do? He said, well, I'm going to blow some boric acid in there. I said, that doesn't seem bad. Do that. I said, is there anything else you can do? He said, well, I could put cream on everything, the antifungal, but that would mean going in again and touching all the wounds again. I said, we're going in, baby. And for a penny and for a pound. And then I turned to him and he said, he said, this will get better very quickly now. I said, oh, what do you, what's very quickly? He said, two weeks. I said, oh, your definition of very quickly and mine are different. <laughs> and I said, um, and uh, I'm done with the oxy now? He said, well, if you keep doing oxy, you've already destroyed your digestion. You'll now destroy your life. You've been using it properly for incredible pain for six or seven days. Now stop. Oof. I said, yeah, I think I should. He said, yeah, you'll have no problems if you just stop. I said, I'll just stop. I said, I like it, right. but I'll stop. And he said, what you want to do is overdose on Tylenol, then three hours later overdose on Advil, then three hours later overdose on Tylenol. And I said, okay. And he said, and stop the, uh, stop the oxy. I said, okay. And so uh, I did that. And then my sleep patterns were all fucked up and I'm a junkie and, you know, but little, very quick junkie, little junkie, but I'm trying to get off this stuff. And he said, uh, oh, that was a, uh, that was a lot of pain. And I said, you want me to tell you how I did this? He said, yeah, since you live in the desert and you have a tropical disease, 
I'd like to know how you did it. I said, well, I figured it out from talking to doctors. I know what I did. And I said, first of all, I cleaned my ears twice a day with Q-tips to make sure there was no wax in there. And I said, I now know that wax is acidic and is there to stop bacteria and fungus from growing. He said, yes, stop that. I said, stop. <laughs> I said, and then every night, every night, I take a scaldingly hot bath that almost makes me pass out. And my whole head sweats like a freak. And I said, then I take Apple heavy headphones. I put them on directly over the wet head and I sleep all night in headphones. Oh. He said, so there's a rainforest inside your head. I said, yes. I said, what do I have to stop? He said, take your baths, take your hot baths, then get out and blow dryer on each ear until they're completely dry, including all around there where you're sweating. I said, I've had a history with blow dryers. <laughs> he said, blow dry around there. He said, then you can put your headphones on and sleep all night. And I went into my doctor in Vegas, who I love. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I said, uh, well, they got it all out. And he looked in and went, Jesus, it's nothing but bruising. It's just destroyed in there. And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, they pulled all that out while you were conscious? I said, yeah. He said, well, I, I, that's why I sent you to L.A., man. Oh. <laughs> he said, I wish, I, I, I wish I'd taken, I skipped the classes on tropical ear ailments because I figured I'm never going to encounter them. And he said, I, I skipped the classes. So I had no idea what's growing in your ear, except I should have taken those classes. <laughs> So I told him the headphones and the, he said, well, that's just an undergraduate experiment in growing fungus. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, yeah. So I can't wear my hearing aids. I've been able to wear my hearing aids for two or three weeks. I, I'm going to finally put it back in. Because <laughs> you're, 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 you're like, they're like implants, your, your hearing yeah. aids, right? No, no. I have to, they just go in like regular old person hearing aids. Oh, okay, okay. 68 year old hearing aids. <laughs> I thought they were like deep with like Bluetooth shit on them or whatever. Well, they have Bluetooth shit on them, but okay. they don't go too deep. They go deep, but not too deep. I mean, you're My hearing... jaw still hurts. It's been three weeks. Yeah. And you're, and you're hearing, because of the eardrum thing, has it been different? I mean, your hearing was bad anyway, right? It was in the ear that was, the ear that was ripped open, they went into my brain, then mushrooms grew, and there's a hole in, is, wait for it, my good ear. <laughs> what I hear better out of. The other ear's been healthy, but doesn't bother hearing anymore. What a fucking crazy ordeal. It's just getting old. That's all. No. A lot of people get old without a fucking mushroom <laughs> tropical fungus well, infection yeah. in their ears. Well, you know, Andy <laughs> Lerner, who's a genius, yeah. said, you know, you're kind of well known. We could probably save that mushroom stuff and sell it to someone who'd smoke it. <laughs> Hey, you know, the year goes by really, really fast, especially if you're a business owner. So uh, it's important to plan early and make the most of your time. 2023 is already well underway. We're in March. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah, it's already underway. What's that, a quarter of the way through at the end of March? Yeah. yeah. So don't wait any longer to level up your small business and set your year up for success. Go ahead of the competition by using Stamps.com to mail and ship. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels right from your home or office. It's ready to go in minutes so you can get back to running your business sooner. They've been sponsors of our show. Matt, listen to me. 
Yeah. Sponsored the show for 10 years. That's for 10 years. They have kept us on. No, <laughs> shut up. They've kept us on the air. Postage rates just increased again. Luckily, stamps.com is the best discounts in the industry with rates you literally can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. Plus, stamps.com automatically tells you the cheapest and fastest shipping option. Do anybody ever use stamps.com, Matt Donald? I use stamps.com, Penn. You do? Yes. Still. And so, does, so does you and your company. We do. We yeah. do. It's stress-free, right? It's for every business. It's really a huge time saver and money saver. And it really helps, especially because for podcasts, we have international listeners. What mm -hmm. it actually helps with international rates is incredible. Yeah. And you just, you're able to do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any better proof of it being easy. Yes. Yeah. I would say it is absolute proof of it being foolproof. I can barely set my alarm. <laughs> set your business up for success when you get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code. Pen. For a special office that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code PEN. And you get a really, really good deal from them. They're really good for you. We'll talk about something else, too. I want to talk uh, about Masterclass. Oh, yeah. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds. Yep. Anytime anywhere and at your own pace you can learn how to magic from pen and teller now see pen and teller and best minds they're being described together yes. as the same thing not on the one hand and no. on the other hand there's pen and teller then there's best minds no it's, it's evidence yeah evidence yeah absolutely evidence that i'm going to use we all know what Masterclass is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beautifully done. They have great instructors, uh, some of them very famous, all of them very skilled and qualified. They teach us stuff in a really good way. The cinematography is really good. It's shot like a movie. It's not necessary to sit down and consume a full class from start to finish, sharing insights. You can get individual lessons. You pick things up. As a matter of fact, Reddy Rich told me he heard from a hostage negotiator that you shouldn't point, right? Yes. Now, I point probably 50 times during the Penn and Teller show. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. Yeah, you gesture I, now. I gesture now, and it's really different. Yeah. It really feels different. And Reddy Rich told us that he learned to uh, not even um, not even point at other things, not just point at the person, not, but not even pointing at other things is aggression. So I always do the full hand open now, and Teller noticed it. Teller started doing it. This so there's, there's no pointing in Penn and Teller, all because of Masterclass, which brings up a really good point. Maybe you're not going to be an astronaut. Right. Maybe you're not going to direct or play basketball. Right. Maybe you're not going to do stand-up like Steve Martin, you know? Yep. Maybe you're not going to do that. There are takeaways that really cross-pollinate tremendously. Are you happy that we took, because we didn't watch The Host Negotiator, Ready Rich did. Are you happy we took that advice, Ready Rich? I'm fascinated. Yeah. It made a difference, you know, made a difference. And you, you've watched like all of them now, right? I'm a little over a third done. See, and he watches them all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's how much content there is. Just a ton of content. Wide variety of topics taught by the best. Uh, you can learn how to write anything. Neil Gaiman yeah. teaches you to write. Like real cooks teaching you to cook. It's an immersive learning experience. Cinema quality classes. Flexible. You can watch it on anything. They have a list of what you can watch it on. It's just too long. Apple TV, computer, tablet. Blah, blah, blah. If you got something, you can watch it on it. You could probably just 
just watch it on a newspaper. Yeah. You know, anything. I said a Pepper's Ghost. I watch it off a pane of glass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, additional resources they give you with the video lessons, you all get PDFs. It's a, it's a really, really, and it's one price. Yeah. And you get all the classes. All of them. And enough classes that Ready Rich hasn't been able to get through a third of them in what, three years? I think it's four now. Four years, yeah. A long, long time. Yeah. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class, and as a Penn Sunday School listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash pen. Now, that's masterclass.com slash pen for 15% off the masterclass. They're really good, and they're wonderful to work with, and I just like them. Have we talked enough about my goddamn ear? Oh, I just want to rip my own headphones off right now. Mm. Like, you know, just the amount of times that I listen to headphones while traveling or, mm. or the amount of podcasts I do in a week, Well, I'm now creepy crawling with, with heebie-jeebies right now. Uh, and they go, you know, you know how uh, it's a joke how quick mushrooms grow? Yeah. Yeah, I, one morning I put the Q-tip in, cleaned it all out. The next night I tried to put the Q-tip in, excruciating pain. There were things living in there. Oh. Like that. And you know something? I never thought I'd say this. I never thought I'd say this. I would have rather had a spider in there. Oh. That's how bad it was. I, you know what? I hear you. I, because you don't have fungus in your ears. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, the fungus thing, it's, it's the, the attachment. It's the attachment. That, that's the part that's grossing me out the most. And they also tell you, don't they? I didn't talk to the doctors about this, but didn't they tell you in like Boy Scouts or something that they, when you see a fungal cap, yeah. that like 90% of it's underground? Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. is that icebergs? I don't no, know. No, I think it's icebergs. Yeah, okay. But um, uh, you are, I want to get to Foolers. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. interested. You just did a three-city tour. Yeah. Of Foolers. Yeah. Called Penn and Teller's Foolers. Yes. A free city tour. <laughs> and you had a lot of people show up, right? Yeah. We sold uh, thousands of tickets in each stop. Mm -hmm. And that was crazy. This is basically, it was kind of like a proof of concept all around yep, for everybody. Yep, yep. It was nuts to put together. So like I was in charge of uh, also writing it with the director, mm -hmm. trying to kind of get it all, get all our ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. And the magicians that we uh, hired- are uh, so busy that we literally couldn't all get together to do one reading of it before we all met in Milwaukee. So yeah. I was flying to Milwaukee being like, what the hell do we got? You know, like- And what was the first word said on stage? Uh, well, it's from you guys, right? Right, we do the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you come on. Did you have the first line? I do. And what was that? Uh, Just good evening? There's a word in magic. Oh, really? Yes. Right into the path. We go very artsy. We yeah. don't talk till after the first trick is done. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you say- I'm going to turn it over. I'm going to turn over to the, let's get yeah. the show started. I'll turn over to the fours and I make my partner and let someone else do the talking. And so then boom, we roll on the rig and start the trick. Mm. So it was like a fun, it was a really nice beginning. It felt but, very theatrical. That's a good trick. Now you've seen us do that trick for 15 years. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, I think I said in a previous episode, like when, you know, the initial concept of the show, I thought it was like tricks you guys weren't doing anymore that could live like another life somewhere else. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I missed a meeting and everyone's like, yeah, so we, we have misdirection. And I was like, what do we have? <laughs> and I was also proud because I was the one who said, I think I can turn this into our opener. Mm -hmm. I said, if we can split Penn's dialogue in half and make one of the foolers the gorilla and the other fooler cops the chicken, then all four of us have, are performing the first mm -hmm. trick with multiple reveals. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote it up and then 
uh, the director was like, oh, I really like this now. And so I, I was proud that that was our opener. But after, I don't know, I don't know what that would feel like. You yeah. watched it for 15 years, then you're going out and doing it. Yes. And, oh, yeah. And you must have been on stage going, oh, did that better than Penn does? <laughs> Ooh, that was harder than I thought. Does Penn walk away from here in this moment so that nothing gets picked up on a microphone? Do I stand here? Do I trust the mic? I didn't realize how much Penn just looks so confident up there doing things <laughs> while magic things have to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was was one of the thoughts. Uh, one is I was like, boy, uh, Penn is a beautiful dialogue here. I'm really happy to split this in half with someone else <laughs> when it comes to learning it all. <laughs> <laughs> I, of course, kept all the punchlines. I was sure. the writer, so I kept all... I get to yell about this goddamn gorilla with symbols. Uh-huh. And uh, and get to notice it's the same amount of people with their hand raised for the other thing. But uh-huh. um, it's... Well, uh, that's your joke, which becomes <laughs> very complicated, right? <laughs> you were doing jokes that you gave to me. Yes. You heard me do. Well, that's it, because even this... It's like the beginning of Fool Us, where I introduce Allison, who then introduces us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, even the line of, uh, uh, the chickens is not a story, like some weird story. Like that's the first yeah. branch Davidian chicken on Venus, Yeah, you know, your line. Plucky McCluck face. That's the thing. The director goes, that seems a little pen. You might want to rewrite that for your own. I said, well, I wrote that for pen. <laughs> I said, so obviously I think it's funny because I wrote it. <laughs> so I was like, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a shot at it. <laughs> did it play well? It did. It did. It did. And Hondo's trick you just had a blast with, right? Oh, man. So that's the thing. Oh, I have a really funny story. That must have been the most fun you ever had on stage. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Now, don't... Yes. You're very aware of what you can say and what you can't. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But everyone is handed a wish uh, form to fill out a wish when they come in or whatever. Yeah. And then uh, I get someone up on stage. And they're real wishes from the audience. Yes. And you read them. Yes. So that is like true improv. Totally. This is like, you know... uh, Dell somewhere is going, uh, huh, I never thought of having the audience write down wishes and throw them at the person. <laughs> and I uh, was laughing because I said, uh, I said, but I like it. It's like, it's like that four-card tear routine except because it fills the whole theater, but this is so different. And he goes, Andro said, well, that's why I, I wrote it. Everyone in Spain, every magician in Spain is doing that four-card tear mm-hmm. and shuffle around and end up mm-hmm. with, the, with the card at the end. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I just was, I'm, I can't, I'm so sick. I, I had it on my show too. And I, and I got sick of it. I just had to get, I had to come up with something else that filled the theater. So that's what I came up with to, as an alternative to that. Uh-huh. And so I got to do that. And then our show was running long. So I was only reading like two or three. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so just like, I would just want to sit there and read people's wishes all day. <laughs> I mean, one is that like on me, I have well, like, give, a, give me some of them. Oh, oh. Cause I asked Glenn, what yeah. were some of the wishes? And Glenn said, I, I don't remember. What that was great was that I wish I was on uh, uh, Pebble Beach playing Duck, Duck, Goose, and I have uh, a goose call and a duck call on me in my act. <laughs> that must have been... So I pulled it right out and was like, quack, quack, <laughs> there, done, wish granted. <laughs> the they must have just thought... They went nuts. It was amazing. <laughs> they went nuts. What was like, I, <laughs> I wish I was up in Canada sleeping in a cabin, and I was like, huh? your wish, you get one wish, and it's to take a nap? <laughs> Just somewhere further north? <laughs> like, if you ran to a genie, he'd be like, stop wasting my time. <laughs> One of those is, I wish I was at the Rio Hotel All Suites Casino watching Penn and Teller. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. <laughs> no, that's, the All Suites Hotel and Casino was like, you motherfucker. That's really so funny. I, so I just walked to the front stage like, really? Really? 
Are you not entertained? <laughs> We're doing their tricks. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just uh, uh, fun. And then also, Hondro was so sweet. Like Hondro was talking to me like every day. Mm-hmm. And he was more nervous about me doing it than I was. <laughs> and then uh, we had our own you know, private conversation about like uh, all the things he tried to prepare me for. I still found new variables that he'd never had handled that I had to handle. He and, found stuff that Hondro hadn't found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just people will do strange things when you bring them up on stage. <laughs> um, but it's really, yeah, it went really great. And like I said, that trick gets gasps. Yeah. And like it's, people yelled, no way. And in a theater... The theaters, but that's it's amazing playing. because if you went to an improv show, yeah, and they told you write down wishes where you want to be, what yeah. you want to be doing, and throw them up at me, yeah, and you opened them up and read them, that would be a complete improv bit. Oh, totally. Like I was doing the bit solo to practice it uh, in my Red Bank shows. You know, in Red Bank, Monmouth County, New Jersey, there's just a lot of golf and like tropical high-end tropical islands or whatever and i just was like all right mammoth county with you a lot of you guys had your high-end rich dreams here i feel like you're capable of getting it done did, did a lot of people have like i wish i were fucked up watching tv <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no and that's the thing it's a, i want to because you don't have a choice yes you just open you don't know when you're opening it up what you're getting no i mean what the best the- gifts were some people just didn't fill it out and threw it anyway oh, so you just opened up a blank piece of paper and you're just like you didn't even have time. You didn't even take the time. <laughs> Throwing things at me, no problem. Doing what you're actually told, no. You know? <laughs> you have one wish. You could have written down no AIDS <laughs> in the world. <laughs> That's good. I'm stealing that. That's good. <laughs> how long would that have taken you? Oh. Uh, how about no malaria? <laughs> No children, malnutrition, educate girls. Any of those things fit on this piece of paper. <laughs> you did not know when you filled it out, we weren't going to grant it. No. You didn't know that. No, no. In fact, so like then I'm, I'm about to I'll leave tomorrow. I'm going to be playing the Magic Castle all week. And then talking about this to a friend, they're like, are you going to do that trick? And I was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to ask Contro, you know? So I, 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 uh, I sent him a message clumsily hastily written message and i get no response for 24 hours and i feel terrible <laughs> I, I sleep on it i wake up like like a child wanting a text from like their crush i, yeah. I race to my phone in the morning to look at whatsapp nothing i record of audio message i don't even want to do this over type i record i said like hondro it's matt you gave that trick to penn and teller you gave it to foolish you did not give that to me i have no right to ask you to do that trick I shouldn't put you in a position to even say no to me. You're a friend. You probably don't want to say no. That's my fault. Just please forget I even asked. Mm-hmm. And the message. Nothing still for another hour. <laughs> I have to go see my kid do some performance at school, and I'm just like a like a like a bratty. And also, you also had your child doing the wishes trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had to get that in there. <laughs> Taught him that. And <laughs> Just call it a jar. Dude, everyone knows it's a vase. Call it a jar. He finally calls me. Leaves a voicemail back. Goes, Matt, do it at the Magic Castle. Do it at the Oscars. Do it wherever you feel like doing it. <laughs> I don't perform in the United States. You do. It seems like it fits you well. Please just do whatever you want or whatever. And so I was like, oh, I'm relieved. Like some... <laughs> I really, really rang myself to the ringer on this because I felt so guilty getting this awesome trick. It's turnkey. I mean, yeah. I do nothing. I mean, I, it's, it fits my style. 
Yeah. But I, I mean, I was handed an awesome stage routine that I have to do no adjustments to. And probably you just decide how long you want it. Well, that's it. Yeah, if someone yeah. says, Matt, you can only do one trick and we want an hour, you go, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, God, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I'm so excited. Now I'm going to go do it next week. Well, you know what we're going to do? I don't know why I would say this on here. That's fine. But I'm going to say it on here. Uh, we're giving Hondro a uh, nail gun. Oh. It's his favorite trick in magic. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be performing in Spain. You know, it's when we were uh, back, well, we really haven't podcasted in a while. So we were going through, we had difficulties where one of the performers was supposed to use their dog. And then the right. dog became sick. Right. And so they couldn't do their dog sick tricks. Sick as a dog? Sick as a dog. Yeah. Sick as itself. And so you guys said, we'll, we'll look through our stuff and just t t take what you need, mm. which I was like, that's crazy. And then, so we sat down, the director, our road manager, and Nate, and we sat down and we went through all of your tricks in alphabetical order. Mm -hmm. And he said, nail gun. I go, shut up. He is not giving us nail gun. <laughs> they did not mean that when they said, take anything you need. <laughs> I was like, they, they, don't tease me like that. They not just want any trick in the show. <laughs> Things that would help the foolers as an ensemble. That's an individual piece. You, you, you skipped over like souvenir yeah. and uh, broken bottle juggling, yeah. which say you got to learn a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, Nailgun's like, when I, you know, I think it's, I think it's one of the greatest routines ever. <laughs> a, a solo routine, it's great. And it doesn't have an audience member. All these things are just make it fantastic that just make it a great performance. And it's like totally secretly a coveted dream of mine. So when they yelled nugget, I was like, not yet. Too soon. <laughs> he's, don't he's don't gonna, tease me. He's got mushrooms in his head. He'll <laughs> die soon. Then I'll do it. I will call it a tribute to him. He's got mushrooms in his ear. I already, I already oh. planted weird fungus on his Q-tips, hoping just, he'd take the bait. Just, just, just a small amount of patience required. <laughs> but Hondo's going to do it. Yeah, I want Hondo to do it. Yeah. yeah, I want to see it in Spanish. Yeah. Also, I'll, his style. I'm going to do it in Spanish, too. Oh. So it'll be fun. That's great. We might do it on Fool. And you know we get another season of Fool. Yes. And you know that it's 20 episodes this time. Yeah, so we're 13. saying that out loud. So I I yeah. I uh, I I wrote to Hondro because you know Hondro helps us write. Yeah, and I mean you'll you'll be there too. I hope it'll be the last week in March. Yes, we're gonna all be there working, trying to write twenty bits. So I wrote to Hondro and said we have another season to fool us. We're shooting it in August. We need to do twenty shows. <laughs> Hondro wrote back this very simply: Call Chris Angel. Forget my name. <laughs> It, 20 bits is insane. It's going to kill us. Yeah. Andro said we're all going to die. But at least you're not going away. At least you'll be around. Yeah, no, no. We're going to uh, Great Britain and Spain. <laughs> and we're touring. <laughs> well, but something a, happened. We're not we, going to film in August. So It's, it's okay. August, yeah. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. So the truck's going to be out in the back in August. And, you know, we're doing 20 shows in the same amount of time we used to do 13. They don't want to pay for extra days. What essentially CW said was, we're giving you no more money and no more time, but we want seven more shows. <laughs> They're trying to break up with you, but they want you to be the one to do yeah, it. That's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull seven <laughs> shows 
directly out of your ass. Would you please? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I heard about the 20 episodes and I was like, I got to come up with something to go on this season. And not because I want to. It's like, I think we, we need it. I think, I think. The, the largest collection of people on TV out of a sense of duty who don't want to do it that's ever been collected. <laughs> We're on that's asking for, let's see, an average season is 60 magicians, so six more episodes, 24, 84 magic acts. Yeah. Yeah, I better get something together. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Your children better get something together. <laughs> I know, I'm going to teach them a few things. <laughs> just, just, just amazing. But I just was over the moon. Uh, pretty much, the uh, Foolers went better than people could have hoped for. It was so exciting. I mean, you know, we. Really but wait a minute! I haven't even gotten to this. It ran two hours and forty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Who are you, the Grateful Fucking Dead? <laughs> I don't think it ever ran 240. Okay. It ran long. So we, we, it felt long on the page, right? So yeah. in rehearsals, like, what are we going to cut or whatever? And then all of a sudden we weren't cutting anything and we just rehearsing it all. And I was like, we're, we have three days, three 12 hour days to put this together. And then boom, this shows up the next night, you know? And so going through cue to cue while we're doing it. So like cue, sound cue, stop and start, all the stuff. The show feels like it's four and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what is going to happen? Like, I guess I'll be doing twist and shout like Springsteen. <laughs> And then we ran through with no audience and it was 50 minutes for the first half, 55 minutes for the second half. And it's a stumble through. Mm. And we were all like, what? It's all in. And me, especially the one who was writing and keeping it all together. I was like, this is all in all of it. Mm -hmm. And then yes, after three 12 hour days <laughs> and doing it with no audience members and the same people playing our audience members for rehearsals, getting from an actual audience, it sure stretched out. It sure, <laughs> it sure took up a little more time. Messing with actual people and bringing other people up, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's it's. I think I think it's the first thing that's going to be adjusted. There will be it'll be shorter mm -hmm. next time out. Well, but. we'll miss you, Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was uh, it was incredible. Yeah. And how did uh, how did Casey at the back go? Well, that's the so I think it's fascinating. Is that's the that's the trick that we put up on a pedestal for you guys? We open the second half mm -hmm. and we talk about Penn and Teller. And what's funny is that as the writer, I wrote something for it. And as I'm delivering it, the director's like, just could use a little more something. <laughs> I kind of was like, after two rehearsals, I was like, they're my friends who I actually admire. Why not just actually speak from my heart and try to actually <laughs> set this up? Like as if I had to set it up. And he goes, yeah, try that. And so problem solved there. I get to just talk warmly about my friends who I love and admire. And sure enough, it's feel special. <laughs> um, and there's neat little moments and stuff. So that goes great. Hope springs a turtle. Home springs a turtle. <laughs> it's in the poem. It's written that way by Robbie. Yeah, it's about we're using the original props and all that. And the first night, it just crushes. It just crushes. I had to make an adjustment where I had to start talking about Ernest Lawrence there. Because you have dialogue that wasn't enough for me to get Jessica up and tied. Uh -huh. And then I was nervous and whatever. And so I had to move some things around. Three half inches. Three half inches to hold the Three dead. Three half, half inches, yeah. One half inch will hold most things. Two will hold anything. Three will hold the devil. Yeah, that's it. That's so it. The old three half inches. Yeah. And then you got to fl flip them around with one yeah. hand. There's sleight of hand in tying the knots. Yes. One night, they set the uh, spike rig too far upstage mm -hmm. and Jessica could not reach it. Oh. So then I'm speeding to the end and realizing I shouldn't be speeding to the end. <laughs> Peripherally. Peripherally. Yeah. Yeah. But then I look and it's just, she's just 
like, nope, not going to happen. And I was like, okay. Like an idiot, I get up. Yeah. And then immediately sit right back down. <laughs> if you don't know the trick, Jessica is in the air on my chair. Yeah. She's tied to the chair. Yeah. So if you stand up, she falls. She falls. Yeah. Into spikes. Yeah. I went to help. <laughs> and then immediately went like, oh shit. And just collapsed back onto the chair and got the biggest laugh I've ever gotten in show business. I think. <laughs> That is a great gag to put in, isn't it? There's a couple of things like that where. So uh, what they do? Stage hand? No, uh, someone, someone ran out and, and pulled the pulled the thing and got it out, and then we finished out. But it was <laughs> hilarious. So we were two for three on Casey runs, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, no, it's fun. It's fun to do Casey. It's fun to do all stuff. I mean, what's cooler is the other tricks that we have from you guys. We don't say they're your tricks, uh-huh. and they kill. So it's like. You you just have like road tested awesome material. You know, like you should feel good that like yes, in other people's hands. Yeah, Teller said it feels good to be a writer. You know, that yeah, you, we have stuff that works. Yeah, so like misdirection, light heavy, uh, blockhead. Oh, well, you do block with the with the uh, with the, uh, with the glasses. Who wears the uh, block? Vinny. Oh yeah, Vinny wears the wears the thing. Alex. So it's it's really actually nice. The second half is Jessica and I do Casey, and then uh-huh. they come right out and do blockhead. So it's two P and T. Uh-huh. To open the second half, and both of us playing duos with each other mm-hmm. to give a nice different feel of, of to the show, and uh, it just is such does, Al- a- does Alex have the or does he do a different method? No, Alex Ramon. Let's just say like what a get this guy was because uh-huh. we were supposed to do tricks with his dog, and then we, suddenly his dog couldn't do them, and he just had a bunch of other really ready to go good stage illusions to mm-hmm. go, and then we sent him the script for Blockhead, and he goes, "Oh, I'll make sure I get that gimmick done." Oh, good. It was like, like he is very prepared for a tour, very prepared to take on all this material and stuff and learned all of it and everything. And everybody enjoyed it? Yes. I think that was the coolest thing about it. When we first started, I wrote all these jokes where we were trying to like, I'm trying to make us feel, you know, like a team. So I'm writing like things where we bust each other's chops or whatever. And the first read through Vinny's like, Matt, in this joke here, I insult you. I don't want to insult you. I said, Vinny, I'm not going to hear it and go like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> I said, I said, I have to bust your balls later. I have to establish that we bust balls. So I, you get me now so I can fuck, yeah. so I can mess with you later. I was like, can we just trust me and get on stage and we'll do it or whatever. And so then we started doing that. And these guys are all work, used to working individually. I, I'm used to being the improv guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just start, I start fucking around in all the rehearsals. I start uh-huh. messing around in all of it. And every one of them are like, yes, oh, great. Oh, fun. Good. Keep it. Keep it. I have so many little dumb bits in this show. <laughs> like at one point, uh, Alex gets out of a water tank escape, right? And the transition is for Vinny to start talking and we have to quickly clean up or whatever. And so a bit from rehearsal, I go like, no, no, Vinny, uh, I'll clean up. You you talk to the audience with your precious little stool. I'll move this. <laughs> and I go, I have the receipt to Petco. If we don't get it back in 24 hours, we don't get a full, re- I don't get a full refund on the fish tank anyway. And I just slowly move it off, slowly, upstage and off, like painfully slow. And they were like, keep it. <laughs> and that bit's in the show. And it was just me messing around. So like, yeah, it, these guys were not used to playing with comedy partners. Mm-hmm. And so everybody, I kept being like, someone's going to say enough already at some point, but that never happened. Well, you remember when you started on the road to magic. Yeah. I said, there hasn't ever been anyone in magic. Yeah. with your experience in improv and in speaking on stage, and that might serve you well. Remember me saying that? 
do remember you saying it. <laughs> yeah. It's also crazy that this idea was up in some capacity before the pandemic. Yeah. And what's interesting is that I would have been doing totally different material then mm -hmm. than I am now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, being out on the road and doing stuff with magic, like knowing when to pump the brakes, my own, I have my own actual instincts of when to, mm -hmm. when to actually service the magic and shut up, you know, versus just always see if I can be the funniest guy. And that all serves me well. I deliver a couple of series. Like I, I deliver the tribute to you and tell her I, I, I build the stakes for the water tank escape. It's actually a thing I wrote because we didn't want to do a timer with crazy music. And so I wrote a hunk about what, what water tank that I think, I think you would like okay. that I speak during the, the, the water tank. We should bring up. Yeah. Because this is a pet peeve of mine. Mm -hmm. An article in People magazine mm -hmm. that David Blaine put an ice pick through his hand. Ah. Did you read about this? I did not. It's good. It means he didn't get too much press. <laughs> David Blaine does that same stupid trick that everybody does. Yeah. David Blaine doesn't do a lot of hack shit. This is hack shit, right? Mm. Where he's divining which he slams his hand down. Yes, there's a spike under in bags, typically cups or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's all the same fucking trick. Yes. Right? And... There are ways to do that trick, which you have done with me, that are 100% safe. Yeah. That a four-year-old could do and they could not get hurt. Yeah. Right? Then there are other ways to do it that you can watch on YouTube where people put fucking knives and nails through their hands. One of the few tricks where it going wrong is much more proper than it going right on YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and David Blaine says, you know, it's always been a serious trick and I went off stage and the show must go on, only stopped the show for like two minutes went out and finished the show. Now, this trick was never an important trick to me, but now it means a lot. And the article is rather reverent. And I'm looking at it going, he fucked up. <laughs> this is the way the story goes. He brought, oh, that he says, you know, it shows that it really is real. And da, da, da. Here's what happened. Let me report People Magazine. Yeah. Matt Donnelly came out and finished the show after one of the tricks went spectacularly wrong. Matt Donnelly said he felt something was wrong, but he continued anyway. He had a deck of cards handed out to the audience. He took them back. He had a card selected and put back in the deck. He then gave them a shuffle. He then, with great flourish, asked the person, what was the name of your card? And they said seven of diamonds, and he turned over the queen of clubs. And without missing a beat, he said, I guess that just shows it's a perfectly normal deck of cards. And all those shuffles were real. <laughs> I'm going off stage for a minute and I'll be back to finish the show. And for the rest of my life, this trick will mean a lot. <laughs> Isn't that all that happened? Yeah. That's all that happened except a douchebag put a knife through his hand at the same time. Right. Uh, and this, and for, th and for this routine, not on purpose. Exactly. Because in other routines, <laughs> he does stick through him, things through him on purpose. Exactly. But the, the word failure does yeah. not show up there. The headline is not yeah. David Blade fails. Yeah. Which is all the story is. Yeah. Because, you know. David Blade with all the money and time in the world. <laughs> To not right. come up with a system to not stab himself in the hand by accident. And and also says, and I had a feeling it wasn't going right. <laughs> okay. 
When you mean when you pulled out the king of clubs and it was actually the seven of diamonds? You had a feeling that wasn't right? Yeah, it wasn't right. I just hate the fact that when you get hurt, you know, I remember um, when when David Copperfield was joking back and forth with us, right? He cut off his finger with a pair of scissors. Yeah. Right? And he did this big thing on TV saying, I actually cut off my finger with a pair of scissors. Penn and Teller, all their stuff is fake. I guess I'm the tough guy now. And I went on TV and said, I don't think David Copperfield understands the idea of war. <laughs> the person who gets hurt the least wins, not the most. You don't go running out of Dresden going, see, we're on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I just don't understand. And I went and said, you know, we do tricks that look more dangerous than any of David Copperfield's, and we never get hurt. Yeah. Oh, David Blaine, we do the bullet catch. We did it thousands of times. We did it more times than anyone else in the history of the world. You know how many times you were hurt? Zero. That's because we were successful. <laughs> the idea of people being lionized yeah. for failure yeah. makes me crazy. Makes me crazy. I don't, yeah, it's a weird thing. You know, it's the thing of, in magic, if you, like, say you cut to the card, and you're like, name any card, and, and, mm -hmm. and you're supposed to miss it, so then you start the routine, right? Mm -hmm. And then they name the card, and it is. Mm -hmm. You go like, whoa! <laughs> you know, like, you are way more surprised than anyone else in the room. Right, because you you're know? supposed to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's really it's like, that's what Blaine's kind of doing with that article. It's like, no, no, I mean, like, I never thought I could actually get hurt, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You know, I thought I had it under control, and I was, yeah. I just, I don't know, I got stupid for a moment. <laughs> Which I do every night. Yeah. Every night. I get, there's not an article in People Magazine going, uh, Penn has this uh, three-sentence, very fast section that he uh, stuttered in the middle of. That wasn't People Magazine. Yeah. Oh, Penn was stuttering last night quite a bit. <laughs> Penn had trouble knowing what he was doing. Penn was on Oxy. He told everyone he was from Saturn when they left, <laughs> when they left the stage touring. Teller said that. Teller said that. Teller said. You don't remember? What's that? I was there that night. When Teller said I was from Saturn? No, you you were telling everyone you were from yeah, Saturn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had up for Elsie. Yeah. You, oh, yeah, Elsie yeah. night. And everyone's leaving the stage. And, uh, you know, maybe you do slap the bass. Maybe you don't. I've never seen you slap the bass more than when you were on Oxy playing <laughs> yeah. with Jonesy uh, with your jazz routine. Well, Teller pointed out, hmm, narcotics make jazz better, <laughs> but I will hasten to add, make comedy and magic a little worse. <laughs> but Jonesy was going, man, you were you were laying on the beat and just putting this stuff out, yeah. and you were really feeling it. He said, I think it's the best you've ever played. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe this whole thing, maybe narcotics and jazz is not an accident. No, I was with uh, Bob Corn Revere was there. So uh -huh. I, I invited him over to sit with yeah. me, and then we both were remarking that, like, does Penn normally, like, really this into his bass playing? He's really in it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I told people I was from Saturn. Yes. <laughs> Many people yelled at them. <laughs> <laughs> and Teller. Teller said when I was on more Oxy yeah. next week, yeah. Teller said, maybe just tell people you're from Saturn once and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs>
Right. Tell her giving gentle advice to a junkie on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh, but we got we got we're gonna do another show. We're gonna talk more about my birthday because the next show it'll still be my birthday. That's true. And we'll also I think we're gonna bring Moxie on. Yeah. Because Moxie's playing Edinburgh. Oh. So we'll be talking to a magician who's gonna play Edinburgh, and the fact that Moxie is the fruit of my loins. Yes. Is not the reason. It's the reason that Mox is going to Edinburgh. So for now, that was Penn Sunday School. Cha cha cha. You become naked. So successful. You'll be doing, you know, what theater already booked you for next year? Do you know that? Oh, I did not know that. Oh, you're not supposed to, I guess. I guess not. But, uh, yeah, all, all accounts are that they're going to. I've already been asked for availability and stuff, and Good. by all accounts, it seems good. We're going to tour. Yeah. On More than road. three dates. More than three dates. More than three dates. Hey, Matt Donnelly. Do you have anybody to thank? Yes, the fine people here support us over at patreon.com slash pen, where they get ad-free episodes and all kinds of stuff. Go there and check it out. These people help pay for Penn's new medicated Q-tips. <laughs> My Dixie Wrecked, Grayson Shore, Will Jason... David, I want to finger your gunbrenner. That's a callback to Gilbert's episode, everybody. Tristan Conant, Omar Rivera, Aaron Boyd, Mason Gooch, Sagebrush, Matthew Mishu, Luke Mellon, Eileen Hunter, Jason Andrew Davidson, Peter B. Clark, Average Seal, Matt Williams, Tom Bonerofis McQueen, Soapy Fresh, Dan Griffith, Brad Sherlag, Mike Cavanaugh, Rafiki, and Steve Feldman. Thanks so much. Thank you.